Hey Boilermakers, this is season two of the Success Express. I'm Grayson Stanjakevich, and I'm so glad you're listening in. Each episode, we discuss all the questions we have as students and job seekers. We're talking about job interviews, internships, networking, career fairs, and how to put your best foot forward. We're tackling the hard questions and encouraging you to make the most out of your college experience. Our guests share advice, personal experiences, lessons learned, and so much more. It's all here and it's happening right now. All aboard the Success Express. Today's episode is a little different than anything we've done before in that you are going to hear two interviews back to back instead of just one. So it's a two for one, all in one episode. Anyway, you're going to hear first from Salvador Rojas. Sal is a PhD student here at Purdue in the engineering program, but he has a really unique story of how he got to Purdue. Sal is a first generation student, meaning he's the first to go to college in his family, but beyond just his family, Sal is one of the first people in his community to go to college. So today, Sal is going to share not only his personal story with us, but also give us a little bit more of an understanding as to what it's like being a first-generation student on a college campus. And then after Sal's incredible testimony, you are going to hear from Dr. Beth Holloway. Dr. Holloway wears a million hats here at Purdue. She's a professor, the assistant dean of undergraduate education for the College of Engineering, and she's the director of the Women in Engineering program. Dr. Holloway actually attended Purdue for her undergrad, and she too, like Sal, was a first-generation student. Dr. Holloway is now the chair of a committee that is raising awareness for first-generation students at Purdue, as well as launching Purdue's very first week-long celebration of our first-generation college students, which begins this week, November 4th. So you guys are in for such a treat today. Sal and Dr. Holloway bring a lot of wisdom and insight to the table, and I just know you're going to learn so much from them. I certainly did. So without further ado, here are my conversations with Sal and Dr. Beth Holloway. Hi, Sal. Welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? Oh, so good. So glad you're here today. This is a really important and unique conversation about first-generation college students and what that means and what that looks like, and Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that you're willing to talk about it with us. Let's just jump right into it. Can you give us a little bit background on your family and where you grew up and then where you went for undergrad and kind of what you're doing today? Sure. So I am a Hispanic, Mexican-American. Not sure where my father uh, was born. Not sure if my mother was born here as well. However, I was because I know um, the name of my hospital and I have records for that. (laughs) I have two older sisters, uh, and then it's myself, and then I have a younger brother and a younger sister. So there are five of you. Correct. Okay, wow, big family. Actually, no, one more. There's six. (laughs) You forgot a sibling. (laughs) It's a really big family. (laughs) When you have that much, I feel really bad, but... Oh, well. (laughs) That's how it goes. There are just so many, you lose track. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, so there are six of you. Yes, six of us. All born here uh, in Southern California. I am from uh, Los Angeles, Southern California, born born and raised. I lived all my life there, uh, all 27 years, until I transferred over here to Purdue to pursue a, a PhD in mechanical engineering. So you went to high school in Southern California. 
And then how did you decide or when did you make that decision to go to college? Uh, tying this into, uh, you know, being a first generation, a first generation is you're basically the first in your family to attend college. I know my parents did not attend college. I just don't know if they graduated high school. Um, so yes, I would be the first in my family to attend college. How or when did I decide to go to college is 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 a larger part of the story. And in my community, college is, is not talked about. Um, it's expected that when we turn 18 or after high school, we enter the job force or the workforce and um, bring home you know, a minimum wage to support our parents, grandparents, whoever we're living with at, at the time. So sadly, I did not hear a lot about college in high school. Um, there was not a lot of college preparation. A lot of my friends, I am the only one in my, friend, in my group of friends um, that went to college and I went to two high schools. If you were gonna go to college, it would be a community college, which thereafter makes it tougher because I did go to community college in my community. But there was an inspiration I had early, early age. I had a cousin that went to college. He was the first in his family. And he asked me if I wanted to go to college without knowing what college was. I, I said yes, um, because I looked up to him. So I agreed and said, yeah, I want to go to college without knowing what it was. It wasn't a constant reminder. And that was a, a, a one-time thing. So that was that. I just had that in the back of my head throughout my whole life. And at eight, eight years old, I, I was separated from my mother, my siblings, um, we were all separated. And so I was in foster care up until 18 years old. And I've been to three elementary, two middle, and two high schools in, in that period of time. And still college was not talked about. But I knew just something in the back of my mind told me I had to go to college. So I enrolled in a Cerritos Community College uh, in Norwalk. And so I registered for two courses, which are theater and PE, because um, that's all that was available. And didn't really feel fire to, to continue college. And I, was, I did work. I did find a job, Orange County Modular Installations. We set up office furnitures and clear warehouses and load trucks. However, throughout that time, that fall of 2009, I just felt like I needed to go to college. So I stopped working, uh, applied for financial aid, and continued my spring semester, uh, 2010. And I stumbled upon a counselor at, at Cerritos Community College that was specifically for former foster youth, who I reached out to, and she was my leader. Um, she guided me, she was my river guide. Um, she guided me throughout the, the whole process and said, this is what you're going to have to do. It's up to you if you want to continue and, and, and pursue this, this dream, this goal of yours. So the, I, I uh, stuck with the college thing. The community college, it was still rough, but you, you got to stick with it. Yeah, that is an amazing story. And you've clearly been through a lot in your life and have learned a lot um, in such a short amount of time. You mentioned you were at community college. You then re-enrolled your spring semester. Then from there, you ended up going to Cal State. Is that right? Correct. So how did you make that transition? What was that like for you? I spent three years at Cerritos Community College studying architecture. I was an architect major, or not really. I mean, I'm taking my courses, my math, my calculus and physics courses towards transferring one 
and two because those are the, the required um, courses for architect. What what struck me was in one day in class in one of my architecture classes, one of the uh, students asked the professor, "How much math did you need?" And the professor said, "You know, you don't need anything, you know, past geometry." And that was when I realized, you know, maybe architecture is not for me because I love math. I love math and I wanted to stay doing math other than, you know, I knew I had to go to college. Other than that being in the back of my head and benefiting me, I knew that math was going to take me somewhere. Or math was definitely something I needed to, to hang on to. I said, you know what, I don't want to be an architect major, I want to be an engineering major. Now, California State University Los Angeles was my choice because in one of my hearings for the whole foster youth um, system, ward of the court, things, things like that, we had a hearing. And across the street from California State University of Los Angeles was Edmund D. Edelman's Children's Court, which is the court we've been going, going to um, throughout our whole lives. You know, because it was across the street, I saw Cal State LA, and you know, as I'm looking out the window, I see Cal State LA, and I'm feeling good about going to Cal State LA because it's in my community, and I knew I could, I knew I can do something there. I knew I can give back to the community somehow, and I wanted to give Cal State LA a name, and so that's why I went to Cal State LA. That is incredible, and I think that's so cool. As you said, you had grown up your whole life going to court right across the street from Cal State, never knowing that one day you would go there and now be a super successful alum of that university. And what an amazing heart you have that you want to go back and serve your community and be a part of um, what's happening at Cal State and encourage the next generation to do the same. Like That's, that's yeah, so cool. You. That's so cool. Well, we're so glad to have you here at Purdue now. You went to Cal State, finished your degree there, finished your master's, and then now you're getting your PhD in mechanical engineering at Purdue, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. And our Boilermaker student body are so lucky to have people like you um, joining us um, and joining our rich tradition here as well. But I really want to hear more about your undergrad experience at Cal State. What was it like being a first-generation college student on campus? Did you notice any differences between your background and where you were coming from, um, from maybe some of the other students in your classes? To be honest, I did not. Because every student around me was also first-generation. That's just the community I grew up in. I really didn't feel any different as far as first generation until noticing it was a big thing when I transferred here. Really? Tell me about that. What was that like? So I definitely feel like I should be heard because the first generation students that have lived over here in the Midwest, they may or may not feel like opening up and saying that they're fresh first generation, which I don't want to say confuses me, but it. Uh, I think they should come out. They should come out and say, yeah, I'm first generation and be proud of it. Being from L.A., if you said I'm first generation, it really wouldn't, you know, so was so was I. So was him, you know, so was she. But over here, uh, you are special and you have you have a voice and you can represent for the Midwest and lead and gather followers, make them leaders. So I think. There's a big difference between the way you think as a first-generation student living on the West and over here in the Midwest, which I plan on going back to the West and 
you know, reinforcing this idea because I shouldn't or anybody over there shouldn't walk around like, well, I'm nobody special because he's a first generation or she's a first generation as well. You should still feel feel special. So this is one of the things I want to reinforce so that they can travel the world and, and, and spread that like, hey, you're a first generation over here in the east or the Midwest or the south, uh, you know, let it be known. Yeah, that is that's great. And that's so well said. And I love what you said about wanting to encourage um, first generation students to speak up and have a voice and recognize that, yeah, you you are special, but we, we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. And clearly your life has demonstrated so clearly that you guys have so much to offer um, and to contribute and just do amazing things. But I also love what you said, like in the reverse of when you go back home to the West Coast, helping your community recognize like, even though, yes, we all are first gen, that's still something to be so proud of and so excited about and something that should be talked about more there as well, just as much as it should be here, where maybe it's not talked about enough. What advice do you have for our students here at Purdue in the Midwest who are first-generation college students? Um, Do you remember or do you even have now um, any specific support systems that you can think of and look back to and say, yeah, like this support system, this person, this teacher, this professor, this friend group, whatever, really helped me get through this yeah so at the beginning i'll admit i was stubborn and wanted to study on my own be one of those students that wants to do things on their own but uh, as things get harder it is inevitable that you are going to find yourself in some tough waters and you're going to need help and it's okay to, to to seek it so the people that helped me are my peers the guys that i was in a formula sae team with in my undergrad spending late night hours together, whether it was building the car or whether it was studying for thermo, heat transfer dynamics, you guys know. It was my professors, my teachers. Building and establishing a strong relationship with your professors is necessary, more than necessary. The help is there. All you have to do seriously is just ask a question. Of course, the people I lived with, my aunt and uncle, they were very high supporters. They didn't know what I was doing. They just knew I was going to college. And all they did was, I love you. And that's it. And I needed a job at the end of my community college. I started driving and so gas and insurance and, you know, that stuff. So I got a job. things, yes. Those people were very supportive of myself. I thought I was going into this job as an engineering intern, but I started off as a janitor at this job. And basically, it was a manufacturing company and did maintenance and cleaning and stuff until the actual engineering interns that were there left to go back to school. And during this time, I was a janitor. I would ask a lot of questions to the machinists, ask a lot of questions to the higher ups, you know, hey, so what does this part do? What is this drawing telling me? Why is that machine, you know, why is it smoking? trying to gain more knowledge of the operations of the company at the same time letting them know hey I'm going to school for engineering and I hope to be in the office one day and so as time goes by the actual engineering interns go back to school and they ask hey um, so are you still doing engineering I said yeah uh, I am and so they invite me in to become an intern what I recognize is that 
all I had to do was just keep working. Keep working no matter what you're doing. Hard work may not mean a lot to some people, but to others, hard work has a very deep meaning. Anywhere you go, just communicate with them. Talk with anybody, share anything you have with them, and who knows, they might have similar experiences or something to share with you. Sal, that was so great and so well said, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, And I think that that piece of advice is true for any season of life. It's just to be open with the people around you and share what's going on. And when you need help, ask for help. Um, Because especially in higher education, so many people are willing to help you if you just ask. Most definitely. Well, how can we, um, as fellow Boilermakers, be rooting for you? What are your next plans for finishing your PhD and the rest of your career? So... You can help me by, you know, letting me give back to you and you can share with me your story or ask me how I can help you in a way that is helping, helping me. That is uh, letting me know that there there are others like me out there and that we can work together and thrive and succeed together because that's the, that's the goal. Sal, that's awesome. And you are going to go back to Cal State, right? After you finish here at Purdue? <laughs> Those are my thoughts right Those now. Those are your thoughts. Those are my thoughts right now. I want to go back to California State University of Los Angeles to continue paying back to my community and, and letting them know if I can do it, you can do it. All you have to do is work. Yeah. <laughs> that might seem that might seem uh, surface, but it's very deep. That is very deep, and you touched on that. Well, Sal, is there anything else that you want to share with our students today? Work hard and boiler up. Boiler up, yes sir. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. You guys, isn't Sal just the best? I mean, he's awesome. What a cool story. What a cool testament to hard work and just having the courage to try something new. I'm just so grateful for him coming on the show today and sharing those things with us. And I just learned so much from him and I know you did too. So... Sal, Purdue is so, so lucky to have you here as part of our student body. And next up, we have Dr. Beth Holloway. She is an absolute pinnacle of wisdom. I mean, guys, she is the real deal, not just professionally, but personally. She is phenomenal in everything that she does, and she just has so many good things to share with us today. I just can't wait for you guys to hear from her. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Holloway. Hi, Dr. Holloway. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yes. So, so excited to have you on today. You have so much wisdom to share with our students today, and this is a very, very important conversation that we're about to have surrounding our awesome first-generation students. Um, So just kind of to kick things off, can you give us a little snapshot as to what um, first-generation means here at Purdue? Sure. So the definition of a first-generation student here at Purdue means that neither of your parents completed a four-year college degree. So generally, your parents didn't go to college, and you're the first um, in your generation to go. Okay. About 11% of our undergraduate engineering students are first-gen. You know, it's not a a big percentage, but um, I would actually like to see that higher because engineering is a really 
a really strong major for first-generation students in making a transition into a professional career. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, And as we heard from Sal earlier, he is um, working on his PhD in engineering, um, which is super exciting. And um, I would just like to hear a little bit from you. Um, We have this committee that's founded now to work on initiatives surrounding programs for our first generation students and you're, you're chairing this committee. Can you tell us a little bit about why this committee was founded, what need you guys are seeing and kind of what work you're doing? Yeah, so we wanted to do something that would support our first generation students specifically. We know the numbers are low Um, We know that sometimes our first-gen students have struggles that some of our other students don't have. You know, sometimes they don't know what they don't know. And then they also bring some very interesting um, assets and advantages to the campus that we also want to make sure that they're able to leverage those to their fullest extent as well. So the committee was really formed to try to work on some of these issues and we decided one of the first things that we wanted to do was to do a kickoff and a kickoff it seemed like a really great thing is to do um, a first generation college celebration and this is actually a national initiative that started just a couple years ago in 2017 this will be the first year that uh, Purdue Engineering has participated, and the there is a, a singular date. It's November 8th, but you know, at Purdue Engineering, we like to do things a little bit extra, yes. so we've made it an entire week, the 4th through the 8th, because we couldn't fit everything in that we oh, wanted to no. do on that no, singular no, no. day. Right. Mm-hmm. So the things that we're going to do that week, I'm really quite excited about. So we have polled the faculty and the staff in the College of Engineering, asking them if they identify as first gen. And if they do, would they be willing to wear a button during that week that really that shows, yes, I'm a first gen student. And the button is going to say Purdue Engineering, first generation, ask me. And it's intended to help both bring visibility to former students, now graduates, so first-gen college graduates, that were out there and that were willing to talk about our story. So, you know, maybe some of our students through this week will find some additional role models, some additional mentors, um, some people that they can ask for advice. Um, Both first-gen students and not first-gen students. I mean, just to have that out there to say, look, this is this is where I came from. This is part of who I am, and yeah. it has made me who I am today, or in, at least in part. Um, I think that's helpful for all of our students to understand a little bit more about yeah. their faculty and staff yes. and where they came from. So that's one part of it. Yeah. Another part of it is that many of our faculty and staff Um, who identify as first-gen are willing to be profiled on our social media sites for that week. So we're in the process right now of gathering some information from them that we can post. And and some of what we're going to be posting is, 
you know, what advice might they have or what words of inspiration or, or what would they tell other faculty and staff who aren't first-gen maybe, who work with first-gen students sure, sure. or peers of first-gen students, what would you talk to them about? So the hope is that we can raise some visibility yeah. around first-generation college student status and that we can um, provide some role models and some mentors yeah. and some people that may be inspiring yes. to the Purdue community. Yes. The other thing that we're going to do is by the end of that week, we're going to be delivering a set of recommendations to the Dean of Engineering about things that we could do to uh, more or better support our first-generation students. Yeah. So the week will culminate with this um, set of recommendations. And so we're very open to um, students telling us yeah. what those things might be. Yeah. No, that's great. That is so great and so well said. And I love that the College of Engineering is taking the initiative on this because we know that within that 11%, not all of that 11% is in the College of Engineering. Right. I mean, we have first generation students in every mm-hmm. college, um, I would imagine, at Purdue. But because the College of Engineering is so large, um, to have you guys really take the initiative on this and get that initial data, that initial feedback, I mean, that is going to help all of campus remarkably see this in a whole new light, which is awesome. Right. And we don't want to take all the credit for that. Um, Certainly, there's been lots of discussions about Mm. first-generation students across campus. It's not just been in the College of Engineering. And there are some things that are going to be rolling out campus-wide very shortly. It's just that the College of Engineering was like, oh, we could do this really cool week and, you know, have this celebration. So we kind of uh, jumped ahead a little bit. But yeah. that's not to say that the, the rest of the university isn't right there yeah. behind us, because they right. certainly are. And we hope to be able to do some things in partnership with the rest of the university around first-gen yeah. students. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we so appreciate you and the work that your committee is doing. And just we're very excited to see how this week unfolds um, and the stories that come from this. So Yeah, I am too. And I'm really excited to be able to wear my button in class that particular week. It'll be fun to see if I get any responses. Yeah. Do you think, how many of your students know that that's part of your story too? You know, that's a great question. I don't think um, when I introduced myself to class, I'm not sure that I included that as part of my story. So I don't know that any of them no. And that's maybe part of the thing also about why we wanted to raise yeah. some visibility about first gen is that those of us who are college grads, first gen grads, we don't always talk about that part yeah. of who we are. And so this week gives us a chance to um, to show that that's part of who we are and to be proud about that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you, and you definitely should be. And what a phenomenal career that you have had and are having. And I can only imagine the amazing conversations that will come from this. So thank you, Dr. Holloway, for being brave and stepping out and being willing to talk about this. Because I I just know that our students are so going to appreciate this. So last question for you. We ask all of our guests this. 
what is something that you failed at in undergrad, first job, life, whatever? (laughs) How did you learn from it? Yeah. How did you grow? Right. You know, that is such a great question because we all have failed. Yes. At something. Yep. Um, and many of us at more. Yes. Oh. <laughs> more yeah. than one thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess when you asked that question, um, undergrad came to mind. You could, and you kind of led with that in undergrad. What did I fail at in undergrad? Quite a few things, actually. Um, I never actually received an F, or I should say earned an F, okay. in a class, a whole class. But boy, did I fail some <laughs> exams. <laughs> And one of the exams that I failed was um, in physics 152. At the time, it is now 172, physics 172, which is a required class for all engineering students. You know, it turns out that part of physics is knowing the right-hand rule. And the right-hand rule helps you figure out what direction two vectors are going to go. You're nodding, so I see that you remember see this. It yes. yes. Well, it turns <laughs> out that um, I am very uh, challenged when it comes to right and left. Okay. And so, when you do your entire exam using your left no. hand for the right-hand rule you tend to not do very well. No, really? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you do not do very well on the exam, and you do not understand why you didn't do very well on the exam because you are, like, doing the exam right. over. You get it back, and you're like, I thought I got that right, and you do that, and you're still doing it with your left hand. And it's not until you go in, you know, to talk to, I think I went to talk to a TA, <laughs> No. And he was like, oh. uh, wrong hand. I'm like, oh. Uh, and that's that. <laughs> so, you know, what do you do? How do you learn from this? Well, you know, there's a few things I said, right? I said right. I got the exam back. I looked at what I did wrong. I tried to figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. I went to talk to somebody yep. to get some help and to understand. They pointed out my issue um, pretty easily actually easy for them hard for me um and then you know i didn't ever make that mistake again right no and i still have to really think about which hand is the correct hand to use for that um but i got it now i'm not going to make that mistake again but that was um you know that was my first year Mm -hmm. here in undergrad and um i have to tell you that was for someone who came in Having earned pretty much all A's in high school, you know, having an exam that I did so poorly on, Mm -hmm. it was a really difficult thing for me to deal with, right, and come back from. And, you know, you got to figure out what went wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't do the same thing that produced those results that you didn't like so much and, you know, move forward. Yeah. The other thing that I will also say is that while that example came to mind pretty readily, I don't necessarily think of things that I've done as failures. Mm. I mean, I don't I don't have that perspective or that mindset. Yeah. The things that I've done are all learning experiences, yes. right? And sometimes yes. they don't go as well or as smoothly 
as you might want them to. Yep. Um, but it's not necessarily a failure. Or it's yeah. not necessarily an obstacle. It's part of the process. Yeah to get to where it is you think you want to go. Yes. Oh, that's so well said. A friend of mine always calls um, those quote-unquote failure moments as experiments. Mm -hmm. She says they're not failures, they're experiments. Or as you said, learning experiences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They are. And actually, failure is a huge part of engineering. You know, that's it's part of the process. You try something, that doesn't work. Okay, you try something else mm-hmm. to see, does that work? Mm-hmm. Oh, that doesn't work. Okay, let's try yep. something else. And so, you know, thinking about failure as a failure sort of in some ways stigmatizes it. And like, I don't want that. I don't right. want to be, I don't right. want to fail. And really, it's a learning experience, yes. right? You have learned something really important. Yes. And it's just as important to learn about things that don't work yep. as things that do work. Absolutely. And that can teach us so much about humility and pride and giving ourselves some grace. That's right. In all facets of life, which is huge. But when you were talking about your test score, I think that's so relatable to a lot of our Purdue students. I mean, we have some really good talent here. Yeah. Um, a lot of students, I would say the majority, all had really strong academic capabilities in high school and still here at Purdue as well. But I know that, you know, freshman year initial shock in some of those really hard weed out classes of, what do you mean I didn't get an A? And professors being like, exactly correct. Like that's part of it. And that's part of learning. And that's okay. Right. And I do think that that, as you said, that's a, that's a tough thing for many, many of our students. They were in the top top of their class when they were in high school and that's awesome and pretty much so is everybody else everyone else's when you get here and I think you know for me personally my very first semester was not that hard I didn't get all A's Mm -hmm. Um, I think I got a B yeah but generally I would say you know and the B was math of course (laughs) it's math you know but I look at that and and you know and at the time I was like you know Everyone says this is so hard. It's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then second semester uh-huh. came along. I'm like, oh, oh, that's hard. And so for me, it was second semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I realized I didn't really know how to study. That's also when I found out I don't know my right hand from my left hand. Well, I already knew that. But <laughs> I found the consequences yep. of not knowing yep. right from left. But I think, uh, I think most of our students go through that at some point. So some students, it happens first semester. Some, maybe second semester. Yep. For some students, it may not happen until their sophomore year or their junior or year. Or even their senior year. Or even their senior year. And for some students, you know, it doesn't happen until they get to graduate school. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. But the point is, it generally happens. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, it's very rare yeah. that you will be the smartest person in the room every single time always yeah Yeah. Yeah. yep or even not in school but here at the career center we talk about failure a lot in the job search process Mm -hmm. so for students not going straight to grad school maybe you know you coast all four years through undergrad and then job search process comes and you might not get an offer from every company you interview with you might not even get an interview with every company you apply to and so that is a discussion we are having all the time around here So one of the things that we did um, as undergraduates, I think maybe to help normalize that a little bit, 
is so of course this was quite some time ago and we got responses not via email but by actual letters and so we would call them ding letters right whether it's a ding letter for an interview Mm. or a ding letter for Mm. a job offer and we would post them on our door and we would just have all of them up there. Those are all my ding no letters, right? No way. And again, it sort of normalized the yeah. fact that we all have we them. We all have it, yep. You know, and the people who had a lot, you know, what you said about them was, boy, they applied for a lot of jobs. Yep, yep. And, you know, they eventually got one. Right. But, yeah, it just means that it's not, you know, you're not going to succeed at every right. interview that right. you have. Right, So... Yeah, I remember my door is full of I love ding that. Mm-hmm. I wish we did that still. <laughs> I just think, I just see so much anxiety around that issue and everyone wants to just keep it to themselves. I'm like, how much of a better and more peaceful and more supportive environment would we have if we were all just like, you know, name tag on the chest or something. Like, right. yep, I didn't get it either. Like, it's okay. Like... Let's keep yeah. going for it. We're all in the same boat. So Right. Yes. And, you know, unfortunately for this generation of students, um, you know, there's so much of people who who see a filtered version yeah. of someone else's life through yeah. social media. Yeah. And it's very rare that we put on social media our quote-unquote failures right you know the i just got dinged from two companies today right we don't put that out there and so i think you know there's this false perception that other people are doing better right right we need to not talk about all the ways that we're struggling and it turns out that most people are struggling in some way or another it's pretty normal and that's really part of the college experience and we also know that the times through which you struggle the most are the times you learn the most so much right about yourself and about others yep um and those are the times that you're growing significantly so so those struggle periods are actually good yeah they don't feel good at the time yeah but they are good and they're necessary for us so to develop necessary. into who we could potentially become. Yeah. Oh, preach. That is a good <laughs> word. That is a good word. So well said. Maybe the best that's ever been said. Well, I wouldn't go that far. So you have clearly learned so much and have so much good wisdom to share. And I'm thankful that Purdue has you here and that our students have you And especially with this first generation week, I mean, I can just not think of someone better to be leading that charge. So, well, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to sit and speak with you this afternoon. And thanks for having me on the show. Yes, Dr. Holloway, you as well. Thank you. Hey, would you be willing to do us a quick favor? If you enjoyed today's show, could you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts? It'll just take a quick second and your review will help iTunes know to recommend the show to other listeners. Again, I cannot say enough how grateful we are for your support. I would also like to invite you to join the CCO's Instagram community. Give us a follow at Purdue CCO and stay up to date on all upcoming workshops, events, and career fairs. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. As always, feel free to stop by the CCO and meet with one of our consultants to discuss your resume, interview skills, or visit our career closet. 
You can also schedule a free appointment to meet one-on-one with a career counselor. We're located in Young Hall, and we're open Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's all we have for today. I'm Grayson Sanjakevich, and thanks for tuning in to the Success Express.